You're listening to School Crack, Ireland's first and foremost Magic the Gathering podcast. I'm your host, David Wolf, and I'm joined here by... Kieran and Alan. I am unwell. I've <laughs> I, I've had a, a wild uh, birthday party last night. Um, today's my birthday, and I am a thirty-year-old man. Ah, big one. Saying it out loud is actually pretty. Uh, oh no, God! It was, uh, I'm, um, I, 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 I did some quick math. I am the same age Sean Bean was when I was born. Uh, okay. Just to get some perspective. Sixteen. So, um, yeah, Sean Bean is sixteen now. Yeah, he's born in the same week, thirty years before I was. But like. No, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, um, where you're like, oh, the amount of time between the pyramids being built and the Cleopatra is uh, longer than the amount of time between Cleopatra and today. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, get so it's kind of one of those fun things to get perspective of uh, the inevitable passage of time. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and what was uh, what was Sean Bean doing with himself when he was your age? Uh, was he probably a, dying in movies? <laughs> well, yeah, was he a famous movie man at that time. Ooh, I don't know actually. I, I I didn't go this deep. Uh, let's, let's, we we can do a quick uh, deep dive into Sean Bean's career uh, before we get into magic. No, this is what um, the podcast is about now. Sean Bean filmography. Um, we're gonna call it Bean and Gone. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he was in uh, three movies uh, uh, in 1989. He was um, in a movie called How to Get Ahead in Advertising. Uh, a movie called The Fifteen Streets, uh, which doesn't have a Wikipedia link, and a movie called War Requiem. He was a German soldier. Okay. Probably died. I think we can say safely say that his career had not taken off yet. That is true. Yeah, but uh, he was in the field a year later. So there we go. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah. Well, I think we can point to that as the clear yeah. start of Sean Bean's success. So you know, yeah. you still have a year, Ralph. Basically, as I'm telling you. <laughs> Considering that's true. Yeah, yeah. Plenty of time to to make a movie. You you really need to like get cast in the movie now. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been in movies before. Um, That's true. I uh, I did lots of work as an extra when I was a kid. Um, I didn't see it, but someone claimed they saw me in a son, mother, son, some mother's son, some mother's son. All right, and all those links to Al's uh, artistic film projects will be in the show notes. Yeah, actually, I actually do have a YouTube. I, I have a YouTube compilation of them actually. Oh God! All right, <laughs> let's talk about magic. Uh, Kieran, welcome back. Uh, Hey, I'm back. I uh, missed the last few just to do the scheduling and stuff. So excited to dive in on some uh, some war cards today. Yeah. Um. If there are any cards that you want to like mention, like any fantastic insights that you may have had looking at cards that we've already talked about, you know, feel free to to uh, bring them up if you want. Um. Oh yeah. I will. I actually found it quite difficult to um to kind of figure out what i think of most of the cards in this set it's just so much information at once and like there's there's like all the planeswalkers and stuff i'm finding it very tough to figure out what's actually good and what's not just by looking at yeah it's it's really hard and i think for limited especially it's going to be super weird fibbletep is obviously the best but i presume you guys covered him extensively we did yeah well actually probably not as much as as we could (laughs) not not, not as extensively as uh, sean bean put him (laughs) yeah fair I think we mentioned Fibbled Up with uh, Vivian's Arkbow. I think that's about as deep as we went. Yeah, yeah. We kind of compared him. I think a point here on you made before offline was uh, he, he's just a value, value creature, value blocker. Like, um, does Legion Zealot. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, does does Legion Zealot that doesn't lose your life. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Um, and turns on Mox Amber. Yeah, actually, yeah. 
you know, yeah, uh, Fibble Tip was the um, the gateway into our discussion into Mox Amber. I forgot Mox Amber had existed until we got to Fibble Tip. Uh, so that uh, got us, that allowed us to reassess the entire spoiler season uh, through the lens of Mox Amber. Yeah, I have a place out of Mox Ambers that I have never sleeved up, so maybe this is the season for them. Well, I kind of hope that they don't like explode in value just for a few months because all of mine are at home in a box and I have like yep. several foil. So oh, nice. let's just hope that they slowly appreciate over time. And don't slowly bend over time. I mean, I'm sure that's already happened. Yeah. Every once in a while, I, I tell my sister to look into the, the, the press where all my cards are to make sure that like nothing bad has happened to them. <laughs> there's there's been no flood or no fire. They're, they're nice. safe so far. Safe so far. It's good. It's good. All right, let's uh, let's cover a little bit of news first before we get into cards. Um, so we had a little bit of news about Mythic Championship London. Uh, so basically, this was from a, a a tweet by several pros, and a lot of people were talking about this on Twitter. And it was a screen cap of an email sent to Mythic Championship competitors, where Wizards basically said that they. Uh, because of the success at the Mythic Invitational of public decklists and the Cardboard Live application, people being able to check out decklists on the stream, uh, that they want to bring that forth into the regular Mythic Championships. Um, so that's what they're going to do. They're going to have a public decklist because of this, because otherwise it would be really unfair for people playing in feature matches and to have their decklist public when nobody else's are. So yeah, everybody's going to have to bring their own decklist with them and give it to their opponent. Uh, during each round for one minute at the start of the match to study um, you have to say for your main deck you have to be exact with all the cards and then for your sideboard you just have to say what cards are in your sideboard but not quantities which is very odd wow. also okay. this yeah. starts with uh, only with round five so rounds one two three of course are limited and then round four is the first round of modern so for the first round deck lists are still secret but then in round five they're public it's very strange well that makes sense to me right because Basically, that's to because before you couldn't have scouted your opponent's deck for the first round anyway, right? Yeah. Like even if you were on a big team that was doing a lot of scouting, so that kind of makes sense. True. Yeah, no, I guess if you if you discovered an entirely new deck, um, you know, people are going to know about it, uh, um, uh, you know, after and for anyway. Yeah, I think it's a good change. Um, like I think basically previously this just did benefit big teams who were who were able to scout and kind of provide each other information throughout the tournament and, and just cover a lot more ground. And like those players, like, it, like I think magic tournaments should just be, be about who, who the best player of magic is. And I don't really like the sort of like social gaming aspects of the pro scene. So I think anything that's done to reduce that is a, is a good thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I think I'd just rather see this uh, trial than a different uh, Mythic Championship because uh, this is where we're bringing in the new Mulligan rule. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like this to be, a chance for us to see you know, the impact the Mulligan rule has on modern, independent of any other factors uh, like this. Yeah. Mm, I, don't, I don't know if it makes that much of a difference in that sense, though, does it? Like Maybe not. I mean, it's very rare you would ever mulligan differently. I don't know. I guess if you're playing a control deck, you'll mulligan differently if you knew what your opponent's deck is game one. But most decks in modern are, are very proactive, and I don't think it'll actually change how you mulligan that much in game one. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, maybe I'll, I'll see there, there are some cases... Uh, like um yeah obviously there are some specific matchups where you would look at different you can you but um yeah maybe maybe most of that, most of that does happen uh, in games two and three. I think that this again cuts down on the number of non-games because there's like some hands that like if you're a control deck and you find out you're playing against the burn deck, you know that there are some hands that you just can't keep against that type of deck, but that might be fine in other scenarios. 
and you might keep them blind, but once you know what, you're, what deck your opponent is playing, you're like, okay, well, now I, I know that I can't keep this or whatever. So it does affect things, but I think I agree with Al that I think there's like way too many things going on at this Mythic Championship. There's the new mulligan rule, there's this now, and then also the limited format is like releasing that weekend, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. basically. Yeah. I think the pros are not going to have access to the cards, or only for a day before the tournament, or something like that. Is that it? Uh, I think. Wait, well, it'll... I'm not sure. I guess the spoiler will be out, so they can proxy stuff up and everything. Uh, I think. Yeah, it... yeah, that'll be the same. I think it might be available on Arena for a few days before. I'm not 100 percent sure. I think that's true. I I, I did see an ad uh, scrolling through Twitter about um three day of of uh, I think the 25th is um. A Thursday, so yeah, it'll be. I, I, I think it's. I think it releases on the twenty fifth, um, which is a few days before. Well, the project starts on Friday, right? Yeah. Um. Hold on here. Yeah, it's going to be released on Arena on the twenty fifth, which is Thursday. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So just the day before, not much time. Yeah, that's not much time. Just one day. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, they're shaking things up for it. I don't know. I think that's okay to do for a modern pro tour, though. It's like they have the least kind of invested in these in the or sorry, Mythic Champion invested in these modern ones they yeah, that isn't promoting the new standard format i think so i think it's fine to to just try stuff out at this event yeah i suppose yeah oh yeah i'm happy i've seen this change and, and as well as this also be great for uh, for coverage itself true so the other bit of news that we've got here is the mythic championship qualifiers all around the world have been uh, i guess announced or scheduled and like the schedule has gone live on the wizard site um, again, I will throw that link in the show notes. Um, so yeah, depending on what country you're in, you will have a differing number of said Mythic Championship qualifiers. And Ireland got zero. Boom. Not surprised. Upset, but not surprised. Upsetting, yeah. but not surprising. I kind of maybe foolishly had optimism that we would get one or something like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the future. Um, if you make our voices heard. Uh, well, yeah, it, it definitely is that devastating for the for the uh, local community. It's not, yeah, there's no competitive, uh, no no competitive unless you're traveling now. I mean, yeah, there there's no there's no path to the pro tour in Ireland. Yeah. like I do understand yeah. that these new MCQs are essentially replacing RPTQs, which there also were none of in Ireland, so you had to travel for those. But at the very yeah. least, you kind of. I mean, some, sometimes when you won a PPTQ, you got a small travel award for the RPTQs, and you also at least kind of had the PPTQs, as flawed as the system was, you had them there on a regular basis to cultivate a competitive player base uh, and a community around that, and you would see the same faces again and again. And now I just think the barrier to entry is slightly too high. And it's only the very dedicated who will make the make the trip. Yeah, like I don't see many new players now. You know, start playing F and M for a few months, and then immediately jump to like getting on a plane to and going to like Stansted for a weekend or whatever to play an MCQ. I just think that's a lot less likely than you know getting invited along in the car to like drive to Galway or whatever for the weekend and like get to check out you know like a new shop in Ireland that you've never been in before and kind of meet new Irish players and stuff like that. Like, that was a great thing for the community and it's just totally gone now. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sad. But I guess, I don't know. <laughs> this is the new normal, so we have to get used to it. Um, For players who were already kind of regularly 
making RPGQs like Mr. Alan Harrison. Um, hey. <laughs> uh, I guess this... Dr. Alan Harrison. Doc, sorry, Dr. Alan Harrison. Uh, I guess this is a, a step removed. So, like, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose to the point you made, I think it's a, a large part of why RPGQs was so good was... Um, it was just about the fact that it was it was a competitive Oriel uh, tournament where even though at say thirty people and one person was going to be on the road that it, um no that this that's it that stake was still there for forever um I mean yeah it's you know like, I guess um you know if you go to these uh, MCQs you know you're going to start you're going to start meeting uh, you know, the the British players and starting to kind of, uh, you know, get to know that community uh, which is something that I felt like I was I was starting to do uh, through the RPGs kind of you know. Yeah, familiar faces again. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a change. I mean, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll use case. Um, I mean, I feel like this is obviously this is a, an oft-repeated statement or whatever. But I, I do feel like um, players from players from America don't necessarily understand or sympathize with this because they often have to travel long distances to their RPTQs or now MCQs. So they're all, they're already kind of like, hey, well, we have to do it. We take like five hour road trips or whatever. Uh, but with Ireland, it is a little bit different because, like, we can't, we literally can't take a road trip. We are an island. So you have to fly. Now, it's not very expensive because flights within the European Union and in Europe in general are not that expensive. You can get deals on them, whatever. But it is a barrier to entry that, that wasn't there before. Yeah. And then, like, you know, you need a passport, uh, as myself and Kieran have both uh, found uh, to be a barrier when you lose your passport. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it, even though the distance may be shorter to what a US player might travel for a GP or or a RPGQ, um, yeah, there's still more hassle in in uh, inter international life. Yeah, it's it's not the same as just jumping in your car and driving to another state or whatever. Um, yeah, for me, I'm trying to kind of visualize how this might play out when I'm home, uh, and the way I kind of rationalized it in my head is that now with uh, Magic Fests and and Grand Prix being slightly more casual and it's a bit harder to like not harder to qualify to the mythic championship from a grand prix but rather there's no incremental qualification there's no no reward for consistently doing okay but not top aiding i basically think that i might just cut those out entirely and instead just go to like maybe two of the mythic championship qualifiers per season in england instead of traveling around europe for magic fests yeah, I feel the same. Um, yeah, I feel like I want to do one or the other. Um, even you know, GP grind it was uh, appealing because it is you know something that you're you're getting points are kind of slow. It's only it's only building on something uh, with each result, uh, each good result. Uh, whereas yeah, now it's just now it's just very um, what's the word? Very kind of uh, top heavy payout. But basically, it's a top heavy reward uh, tournament. So uh, these magic fests. Yeah, and also only the winner gets the qualification now, whereas. At RPTQs, it used to fairly commonly be top four, at least sometimes top eight got got qualified. So that's also you have to you're really going big or going home. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to win the tournament. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. God, yeah, it's not easy because the level play is so much higher. Well, we'll see how this system shakes out. Um, I'm sure if it's despised, then it will probably be changed again a few years down the road. But I think this is probably what we've got now for the time being anyway, so kind of have to make the best of it. And I suppose the the upside of like the travel and barriers to entry and all that stuff is that you can now qualify for the arena ones through 
through playing arena without ever leaving your house. However, that doesn't really engender a community or bring people together. There's no there's no gathering there in the magic. Uh, so I don't know how much I love that as an excuse or uh, a retort against the stuff that we've brought up here. Yeah, yeah. I f- also feel like it's just a totally different time investment, like grinding the arena ladder. Like you just have to like spend, you know, hours and hours, like a lot of evenings a week, just like getting your edit, keeping the top a thousand or whatever. It's like, that's a totally different feeling to just knowing I can pencil out, you know, a weekend or whatever. And, and I'll be having fun with my friends for that weekend. That seems like a much better use of my time to me than just sitting there grinding standard on, on arena. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It is a grind mainly to get to mythic. Like you just need to invest time. And I don't know, like at the moment with my work schedule, it's fine. That's why I was able to get the Mythic last month or whatever. Uh, But when I come home and I'm working more, I don't know if I'll necessarily have the time to be grinding on Arena and like keeping up my collection on Arena as well as keeping my collection in paper so that I can go to the the paper MCQs every once in a while. I don't know. It's, It's a bit of a weird time. Lots of changes. Kind of don't know where this leaves us all but hey whatever we'll roll with it for a while at least and we'll see what happens yep yep all right should we jump into some cards yeah let's do yes. it yeah. Boom. uh do you want to start with multicolor cards seeing as we didn't talk about any really last week except for nickel Bolas. <laughs> yep okay so we talked about nickel Bolas. Uh, previously, we talked about uh, Tezzeret and Ajani, uh, because that was the first week of previews. So I guess the next one up here is Domri, Anarch of Bolas. So he is one green red for a legendary planeswalker with three loyalty. So a little bit lower than some of the cheap planeswalkers we've been seeing. Uh, his static effect is creatures you control get plus one plus oh. And then plus one, add red or green. Creature spells you cast this turn can't be countered. And minus two, target creature you control fights target creature. He's rare. Yeah, I think uh, he's going to be over. I think he, uh, because he's a true mana uh, planeswalker. And uh, I think people, like especially new players, really overvaluate the creature spells you cast, uh, can't be countered. Because uh, I look at him uh, oh, to plus. So that, that part of his plus um, is useful in matchups. Uh, that, that, part of, that part of his plus is useful in different matchups, separate matchups to uh, his minus. So I, I'd already seen many matchups where you're using every aspect of him, you know. Yes, but. At the same time, that means that he is useful in many different matchups. That is also true. <laughs> yeah, that is that is also true. Um, he he his first ability, I suppose, I suppose. ability of uh, creatures you control get plus one plus zero. Oh, that's that's quite good in any any matchup. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I just think both his plus and his minus are um it's like if you if you um obviously you need to have a board to use his minus at all. Um, his plus is you know, obviously dependent on what your hand is. So apart from those two, well, you know. Unless you have something specific to ramp into, or a creature already on board, uh, he does nothing. Mm, yeah, I mean, he puts me in mind of um, Rhythm of the Wild, right? And maybe Rhythm of the Wild is just better, because it gives you plus one, plus one, which is so you're getting extra toughness, and it also does the can't-be-countered thing. Uh, it's harder to remove, can't be attacked. It doesn't give you any removal, but it also does give you the op- option of haste. So, I don't know. It's possible that them a while just what Domri does better yeah i think so yeah i i kind of feel the same way i think rhythm of the wild is just better in this slot okay uh well moving on then to ral storm conduit he is two blue red for a four loyalty planeswalker he's a rare uh his static ability whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell he deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker 
and he has a plus two, so he can go straight up to six loyalty. Uh, but it's just scry one, not very strong. And the uh, minus two is when you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets or the copy. Yeah, I feel that a lot higher in it because um, that's your know, turn. He comes out. He's just, uh, turn four. He comes out. He's always going to go up um, to six. Um, yeah, scry one. Scry one. Obviously, you know, not great in terms of power level, but um, once you're happened, then he's you know, you'll be, be almost trivially be able to kind of cast two uh, decent removal spells um, to kind of start clearing the board. Um, I mean, I think I, I'm kind of seeing him more as like a board control walker rather than you know something rather than fitting into a, a deck where you're capitalizing on his uh, static ability. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think you could be good in in, in a yeah, kind of yeah, large control deck or a large mid range or a large mid range deck. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like he's more of a combo card because I feel like the minus it's like it provides card advantage, right? But like if I'm paying four mana for a planeswalker, I'd prefer to just them to just give me the card advantage without me already having to have the instant or sorcery in hand and play it. Yeah, I guess so. Would you say um uh, do you equate scry one as half a card? Um, I guess, or like a little bit less, but like in yeah. like a mid range deck or a control deck, I would just prefer the five mana route over this. I think the plus just draws a card rather than scries one, and the minus is just a removal spell, like this one is. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, pretty, yeah, order out, which does all the stuff better. Yeah, and then, yeah, the and then, yeah, the um, the static ability seems just like a total combo ability to me. Like, I don't think you're just gonna get be too happy just getting random incidental value off it. I think you need to. <laughs> To try and win the game with it, if you want to play it with it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he goes in like the teamer, the teamer um, uh, Nexus deck. Uh, you, know, you don't, you don't need. Um, you can copy Nexus um, as you're going off. He's just yeah, picking your opponent. You basically go off at a win condition with him. Yeah, exactly. It is just a win condition for Nexus. There are like people have pointed out there are infinite combos as well with um, if you have two expansion explosions in your hand and any other instant or sorcery. Um, that's like an infinite combo that wins the game. Or if you have a double cast and an expansion explosion, just that's a two card combo that that wins oh, the yeah. game with this on board. Oh, nice. I think I think that's real. I think th- I think that could be could be a thing. Because like it could be, yeah. Because like okay, double cast is is kind of is pretty bad, right? But um, like expansion explosion and whatever you copy with the expansion explosion, whether it be like shock or uh, opt or whatever one mana spell you have. Uh, cheap spell doesn't even have to be one mana but if you want to do it the turn after he comes down uh those are like good cards that you put in your deck anyway and it's not like ral does nothing by himself he's still like okay and has a lot of loyalty um so i don't know i think i think there could be something interesting there i'm not sure what the deck would have to look like around him but i'm i think i'm a believer in that in that combo yeah it could be a thing yeah i mean you could they could have this you could have him with another situation I guess you can also just win off copying like explosion for ten. You know, um, well, you, you, you know, whatever have to pay for it. Yeah, well, you could copy that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like you could. I mean, yeah, you could. You could mine something that uh, tap and untap and have a lot of mana. And then if you're copying like, like explosion, uh, well, <laughs> that probably will be enough to get you there. Yeah, or just a fight with fire or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess a happy incident for you know. To, well, yeah, I guess yeah, that works too. Yeah, I mean, I feel if you have with Wilderness Reclamation and Expansion Explosion in your hand and you're going off, you kind of don't really need to worry about much else. You're probably going to win anyway. True. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, next up we have Soren Ventral Blood Lord. Uh, he is also four mana, so two white black, and also four loyalty, also plus two. However, his static ability is as long as it's your turn, creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink. So lifelink on your turn. 
and then plus two again he goes up to six he deals one damage to target player or planeswalker and of course you gain one life because he has lifelink uh and then he has minus x return target creature card with converted mana cost x from your graveyard to the battlefield and it's a vampire in addition to its other type so i don't know i don't know what to think about this it feels like not quite as good as some of the other sorens very good in a racing situation it can still be good against control because you can get back three drops value three drops or two or one whatever it's good that his minus is flexible the plus two is pretty bad but then if you can plus two and then use his minus on the next turn you can bring back something big from your graveyard yeah i thought this card was much better when the when i misread it and thought the plus two could hit creatures i was like this card's great oh yeah that would be nice yeah i guess so if yeah well, if you're patrolling the game you just keep on listening to kill your opponent yeah, but I mean, that's not really the context I want to evaluate these cards in. Like, if you're winning the game already, yeah, they help you win the game. But yeah, yeah, because like, that's what's worker should do a bit more. No, I think, well, if you're a parody, and you're both top deck and you have them, uh, then your opponent's on it. Because I think, haven't been clocked. The ones you have looked at so far uh, haven't been clocked, uh, even if you are you know, in control. Okay. Or a parody. If you just have him, if you're a parody and you just have him, I would prefer to have ill gotten inheritance. Because that's the same. Yeah, but he's good in other contexts, uh, and he'll got inherent inheritance, isn't that? Sure. Yeah, I just feel like, I don't know, I thought, like, at first I was like, oh, it's good against red or, you know, aggro or whatever, but, like, you only get the lifelink on your turn, and you don't tend to be one to be just attacking and racing against aggro decks. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like that ability isn't all that interesting to me. Like, lifelink is more of a defensive ability. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. One. I just kind of. It all seems a bit disconnected to me, all the abilities. Like, I don't think it really comes together as a as a card very cohesively. Mm. One area where previous Sorens have been successful is in, like, token decks. Um, so I, I maybe could see this in, like, we have all these kind of aristocracy cards that are coming into Standard now. We have, like, something like in, in the Mardu Colors, we have, like, three different options for, like... Um, uh, blood artist effect where where it it deals one damage or whatever when when something dies under your control and like when you look at like judith she actually deals damage it's not loss of life and let me check the other one cruel celebrant uh cruel celebrant is loses life mm, but it's still lifelink or whatever because you gain one life so i don't know it, it could yeah. mean that your creatures are just chump attacking and then just dealing a bunch of damage and you're gaining loads of life and then you can't be attacked back. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you, you just play them out on your uh, on your uh, your chapter three of history of Adalia in a deck like that, um, you know, with, with each chapter three, you're you're going to be attacking it with, with the basically free attack. Uh, so then it's going to be just a big like. Yeah, but like that's already good because I don't know. I never felt like I was ever on the back foot before on that turn when I was attacking with the history of Adalia tokens because they have vigilance anyway. So it's like you're never really going to lose a racing situation already. I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just don't really see this card, to be honest. He he at least does like protect himself in some way when you're behind or whatever, because he can probably bring something back from the graveyard. But at that point, he's probably on really low loyalty, so he but they might just be able to attack pass and kill him anyway. He he's he's in a bit of a weird spot. I don't see it necessarily. Don't don't certainly don't see it as a as an incredibly key role player in standard, but could be in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, like it just Mardu humans that comes together, you know, he, he, he would make sense in that. Yeah, going wide, like I said, Judith. Um, I, th- I think the Mardu's human deck is missing something that's not like this, though. It's missing a lot more. <laughs> I don't know what that deck is missing, but 
Maybe cruel. Oh, that's a vampire. Yeah. But yeah, humans. Isn't it? Yeah, humans. Um. Okay. Next, we have Tamio, collector of tales. She is two green blue, uh, for five loyalty, and her static ability is spells and abilities your opponents control can't cause you to discard cards or sacrifice permanents. She has a plus one. Choose a non-land card name, then reveal the top four cards of your library. Put all cards with the chosen name from among them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. And then she has a minus three, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So the minus is card advantage, leaves her on low loyalty. The plus one can be card advantage. And then the static ability is more of like a sideboard or niche situation against like a Demir deck or something like that. Not Probably not going to come up a lot of times. This is a very weird card. Yeah, this one, now this one I'm, I'm, I'm high on. Um, really? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so static ability, yeah. Cause, so I think I think standard, the next standard season is going to be uh, you know, basically dominated by this uh, edict. Or this edict is going to be a very important card in the next standard. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's it's... Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. And I think, uh, yeah, and I'm not necessarily a sideboard card, but yeah, there is some matchups that this is completely shut down. Uh, so if you have this, you know, as I say, if you're, if you're playing this in a Drake deck, if you're splashing green for this in a Drake, Drake deck, I mean, if you, you're, 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 you'll, you'll, bin, you'll get some instant sorceries. Um, so you'll be playing big Drakes, and then if you manage to get a Drake, uh, you know, them getting a Drake is obviously a card that's managed for them to use one card. Uh, you'll immediately get it back um, on next turn. It's, I think it's very, very trivial to win from there. I think kind of hand disruption and dress is uh, you know, is common is common are common strategies to combat decks like this anyway. Okay, but you know that dress costs one and this costs four, right? Yeah. Wait, what's that going to do? It. No, I mean, um, no, but your point. If it, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're dressing you earlier on. I mean, you can't dress a crackler drake anyway. To be fair. But like, yeah, well, be, be, be dress thought erasure. Disinformation campaign, they all cost less than this. So, like, their effects are going to yeah, true. before this comes down. And Liliana's Triumph also uh, costs yeah. less than this. I feel yeah, like... Well, you're, you're still switching off. You're still switching off draw steps uh, later on in the game. Sure. Yeah, maybe. I mean, those discard spells generally aren't great late in the game anyway as top decks, so I don't know if that's that big an advantage. I guess that's... Yeah, in kind of some kind of drag stack where you're playing, like, some kind of protect the queen strategy, that, like, that is a good... It's gonna be good against you, but I feel like a lot of green decks with this are gonna have Llanowar Elves in it anyway, and that makes Diabolic Edict like incredibly bad to play. So I feel like that kind of already protects you against the Edict a little bit. Yeah, I guess if um <clears throat> maybe this example we're well example we're all already winning, but I guess it's uh, static ability makes it very hard to, if to, for an opponent to deal with Nib, with Nib is it? Uh, you know, usually your opponent's keeping their Elder Born or whatever Edict effect they have. You know, for the for the Nib visit four comes down, uh, just switches that off. Yeah, I suppose it. Yeah, it helps against um, Eldest Reborn, like the first and second chapter. Yeah, very bad against this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suppose that is a point. It, it's good with Carnage Tyrant. Yes. Yeah. I can. I'm starting to see it. <coughs> but I'm yeah, and it's one. It's a still tie card. Yeah, I. I we, <laughs> what? What? I've never played. Um, predict. What's the? What? What are you supposed to do? Well, predict always cantrips anyway. <laughs> But I don't know. You just name a land, I guess. Whatever the most common land is in your deck. This one is non-land. Yeah, most. Oh, it's yeah. non-land. Oh, you're fucked up. You just have to name whatever four of you haven't drawn yet. Yeah. Yeah, but then I think you just name the card that you need. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, I lose the game unless I draw this. Uh, so you might as well just <laughs> try it down. And then you'll be like, I wish I'd put another copy of that card in my deck instead of Tabio. <laughs> 
Yeah. I suppose it's it's uh, really fast at digging you towards like sideboard cards. Like you just name the sideboard card every single time, and you're putting like four. You have four chances to see it. Yeah, yeah, four true. is a lot. Like, yeah. yeah, if they have a card there, you're like, all right, I'm dead in three turns. Uh, you yeah, you just name your eldest reborn uh, each time. That... I hope they don't play Tamio to protect their Yeah. Yeah, interesting card. Maybe you can also play it with uh, with the terrible Jace and just mill yourself out. Do that certainly. Oh my that is god, legal, that is actually legal strategy. <laughs> All right, let's let's worry about it. That Jace doesn't have many cards to support it. But, uh, let Let's move on right. to uh, to Fairy. It is card. great. Yeah. So to Fairy Time Raveler, uh, one white blue. So three mana, four loyalty, uh, static ability. Each opponent can cast spells only any time they could cast a sorcery. And plus one, until your next turn, you may cast sorcery spells as though they had flash. And then minus three, return up to one target, artifact, creature, or enchantment to its owner's hand, and draw a card. I think this card's amazing. Yeah, this, this is very good. The minus three is just bananas for a three mana planeswalker. Yeah, the minus three is very good. Yeah. Um, being a three mana spell himself, that means that, especially if you're on the play, it's very likely that your opponent will have nothing in play then, and he can just safely plus up after that. Um... You don't have to worry about instant speed versus contempt. You don't have to worry about counter spells from your opponent ever. He he just counters all counter spells in your opponent's deck by himself. Yeah, the card's just unreal. Like, yeah. Remember how good Reflector Mage was? Like, this is the same mana cost as Reflector Mage, and you get to bounce something and draw a card instead of them being unable to play it again next turn, which is probably better. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is that he will be banned in standard. Uh, if he could attack for two, he'd be a little bit better, but, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Give him a stick a Gideon ability on there. Oh, yeah. But yeah, this card's great. I don't know if it's going to be a main deck card. I can see it as a main deck card and just a control deck, but it's certainly going to be a really strong sideboard card for control decks. And, like, if there's some kind yeah. of blue-white mid-range deck, you know what I mean? You just put a bunch of these in your sideboard. Control decks can just never beat you if you draw them. Yeah. Yeah, pretty insane. Like, what if you get to bounce your opponent's, like, search for Ascanta, like, in a control mirror on turn three? After they played it on turn two and draw a card, they just can't kill this, yeah. and they could never play a chemist's insider or counter spell again. It's pretty good. Yeah. Well, what good sorceries can we create? Like obviously, hand disruption is where your mind goes first. So yeah, like thought erasure is pretty great. Yeah, with, with flash. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can do it in your opponent's draw step. Um, that that's not where my mind goes first, actually. Though my my mind first goes to wrath because. Oh God! Yeah. Because of Gruel Spellbreaker, because Gruel Spellbreaker gives you hexproof, so like it's it's an answer to settle the wreckage, which of course settle the wreckage is not that popular anymore. But um, yeah. yeah, Deafening Clarion, it's really good with. Yeah, Deafening Clarion, Speed Wrath, any of those traditional kind of style wraths. I mean, th- this can also curve directly into Kaya's Wrath. So yeah, it makes the um, the Forcey reprint a lot better as well. The Scry Four Draw Two for four mana. Like if you had a deck with oh, this yeah. and with um, what's the card that reduces your instance and sorceries mana cost by two uh, you, when you draw one at the start of the turn or whatever? What? Oh, Kefnet. Well, in standard. Kefnet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if there's a deck with like Kefnet in this, like that makes you you would probably play the four C over Chemistry's Inside in that deck. I would imagine. Like if there's enough payoffs. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think this card is going to be good. Buy your copies now. Yeah. Or actually, don't wait a little bit because they always come. Down. <laughs> um, Niv Mizzet reborn. Niv Mizzet, we hardly knew ye. We didn't even know he was dead, but here he is, back to life again. Um, he's <laughs> no longer is it, but he's even harder to cast than the last time we saw him. 
He's Wooberg. He's white, blue, black, red, green to cast. He's a legendary creature. Dragon Avatar. He's 6-6 six, six flying. That's the same. No, he was a 5-5 five, five before. He's slightly better. Slaughter. <laughs> uh, when niv Reborn enters the battlefield, reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, just to totally clarify for anybody who's listening, this means that uh, for each color pair is like, so like white, blue. If there is a card in those 10 that is exactly white, blue, you can put it in your hand. The same goes for blue, black, black, red, red, green, so on. Um, Now, I don't know what kind of deck you're playing with this lad to be able to, first of all, cast him. And then second to be drawing any amount of cards with him. But, I don't know, it's very sweet. He's a five-color commander. I think that's that's his... Uh, that's <laughs> his life, is to be a five-color commander. Yeah. I think he's going to see any play in standard. The only thing I can see with this is, like, in some kind of reanimation deck. And even then, like, realistically, most decks are maximum three colors. So the max you could draw off this is three cards, which is, is really good if you draw, like... Like, let's say you have him in a Grixis deck where you can only reanimate him with Rise from the Grave or whatever, and you happen to draw, I don't know, Discovery Dispersal, Angrath's Anger, whatever that card is called, <laughs> and uh, yeah. and a blue-red card, I don't know, Ionize. If you draw those three cards, great. But even that is very hard to set up and very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, it's you can it's nice to imagine him coming in and drawing 10 cards, uh, or getting get a lot of cards out of, out of that ability. Well, I just don't want to see what that secondary are really leaning in on this CTB. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I think he's just five. He will never in the history of ever of him existing will he draw ten cards. Isn't that like mi- like the chance of that is like ridiculously small? Well, if you had like if all the cards were like hybrid mana or something like that, does it work with hybrid mana? I don't even know. Yeah, it does. Yeah, multicolored, right? Yeah, so I guess so. But no, it'll never happen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. Cool card. Niv Mizzet. Everybody likes him. <laughs> All right. Oh, Niv Mizzet. Remember Niv Mizzet? He's back in form. Uh, Bad. <laughs> moving on to Roalesque Apex Hybrid. It's uh, two green, green, blue for a legendary human mutant. He's a 4-5. Well, actually, I don't know if it's a man or a woman, but this creature is a 4-5 or whatever it is. Um, it's a mutant, of course. Has flying and trample. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, put two plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control. And when Rolesk dies, proliferate, then proliferate again. So this has many, many stats and an interesting ability. Uh, yeah, so I guess he's, you know, he really is six power, seven toughness coming in. Uh, on, on, the only condition is have at least one creature to play. Um, you know, most, so there's a lot of stats, but the flying trampler. Um, I think, you know, his dice trigger is one of those things that your opponent's going to try and do everything. Make sure that does you know provide much value. I, I don't know by exiling them or, or by uh, having them die to a near empty board. So I think it's yeah, it's, it's it's a big flying track that forces your opponent to play a certain way, uh, which yeah could be good. It's interesting how many kind of in- cool simic cards we have in standard now, and like good high power just creatures, simic creatures. And when you think about like Vanifar and the mana creatures that we have in standard, so we have like Llanowar elves, we have. Um, Incubation Druid, so like Lanorels into, into Incubation Druid, into this on turn 3 is a possibility because it's 5 mana. Um, you can put the counters on the Druid, which now gives it the ability to tap for 3 mana. 
Um, we can use Tamio in this deck to stop our opponents from making us sacrifice things. Uh, yeah, you can have Vanifor, so you can kind of pod into this. This is like a good target for, for a pod-type effect. Uh, we have Neoform, which we might look at later. I don't know if we'll get to it, but it's uh, basically Eldritch Evolution, where you can sack a creature and, and get something with a plus one mana cost. Um, I think this is... It's just a lot of raw stats for a card with good abilities. And, like, this is completely without... Like, if you just delete the last line, I think it's already a good enough card to see play. And then the proliferate is just kind of insane. Like, if you have anything else going on, like, as I said, throwing the counters onto the... Um, onto Druid, uh, or if you have Grow Chamber Guardians out, then you can, when you when you put the counters on, you can go and search for more Grow Chamber Guardians. Uh, when you proliferate, it does the same thing. I don't know, I think yeah, that's awesome. card is really good, but it is weak to, um, it's weak to, like, Wraths, like that. It, it is just stats on a body. If you've got other stuff going on on the battlefield, like Planeswalkers, then the proliferate is still going to be good when it dies, though. Yeah, I think it's probably good enough to see play. Just It gives you a lot. All right, next up we've got Enter the God Eternals. So the Eternals are back. I was very excited about this. God Eternals is just a very metal name. Card is two blue, blue, black for a sorcery. Enter the God Eternals deals four damage to target creature and you gain life equal to the damage dealt this way. Target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard and amass four. This is the highest amass number we've seen, I think. We had one amass X card, but this is the highest actual number we've seen. But this just does four, 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 four. So I guess there's there's four God Eternals because uh, Hazaret got away scot-free. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a cool card. It's it's basically a, like a Flame Tongue Kavu, Ravenous Chupacabra style effect. It's kill a creature um, stapled onto a four, four body. The 4-4 four, four can have zombie synergies. It can go on to stuff that you've already amassed. But I think this is good enough to see play either way. And the mill is like largely irrelevant, I guess. Uh, I assume you're going to put your own stuff in the graveyard most of the time with this, especially if you're using zombies or any kind of graveyard synergy. And it's good. Yeah, I think I think, uh, Go ahead, Al. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I, I suppose this is really just like... Uh, a really, really good card for stabilizing. It's gonna kill one thing, uh, go give me, give me some life. And you just have a big blocker that you know a lot of, or a lot of decks come to attack. You know, um, possibly, possibly true. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah, these are these are real spell. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's pretty good with Teferi's Plus. This is like a great card as a sorcery to be able to cast at instant speed. Oh yes, oh, Jesus Christ! Ooh, that is actually sickening. <laughs> and it's uh, oh, uh yeah. It's double blue, which is probably slightly easier in Esper than double black. Or maybe it's not, I don't know. Um, moving on, we have Feather, the Redeemed. This is a... I don't, I don't really know anything about Ravnica lore, to be honest, but I know that Feather is an important angel in Ravnica. So she's back with some very sweet art by Wayne Reynolds. Um, she is red, white, white for a legendary creature angel, flying. So And she's a 3-4. So 3-4, flying for... Three, only three mana, but color intensive. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves. If you do, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So basically you just get to keep all your like pump spells that target your creatures. Um, this There's a few cards in the set and cards in standard that kind of support this. Um, of targeting your own creatures, like Heroic style of play, like Heroic was a deck from 
from Peros uh, with the mechanic you would get you would get a counter on your creatures every time you targeted them. So we have like the tenth uh, district legionnaire. Uh, I'll briefly talk about it as well. It's an uncommon two two haste for a red white human soldier. Uh, whenever you cast a spell that targets tenth district legionnaire, put a plus one plus one counter on it and then scry one. So like if you're targeting that with like what's the what's the Boros integrity integrity intervention right yeah. So if you're targeting it with the plus two plus two from integrity. It actually becomes a 5-5 five five, because uh, it gets a counter and you get to scry one and then you get to put the integrity back in your hand, which is even better with that card because then you're keeping your intervention as well to use as a reach later in the game. It's really good if there are, if there are any red cantrips that draw a card. You know, like I know Crash Through doesn't target, but if there's any card like that for one mana that like gives a creature trample and draws a card or something like that, they're pretty great with it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anything like that at the moment, but that's something that's that's the type of card that they do print a fair bit, so um, it's something to keep in mind going forward, I guess. Yeah, but obviously it's a different color, but uh, if you have if you dive down in hand and this on board, uh, you're just going to dive down, you're hitting your dive down back every turn. Yeah, that's pretty great. There is there. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, isn't there like a dive down-esque card in white not not giving hexproof but giving indestructible or giving protection or something like that i want to say there's a one thing that gives protection from a color i think it's called is it sheltering light i think you're right so, yeah, i think it gives protection but it's like the next time it would take damage from a uh, source or something it's, it's, indestructible. it's indestructible. indestructible yeah yeah also oh, it's scry one rather than draw card. yeah but indestructible scry one is okay yeah yeah yeah, actually, yeah, actually, yes, yeah, so yeah, for this, for this, yeah, you're just, you're just completely protecting something uh, that is pretty good. Um, the the key with a deck like this, I think, is finding the right balance between good creatures to target with the with this ability and the the right spells that are mm, that that like do something even when you don't have creatures or like just just finding the right mix of cards so that you're not like doing nothing if you draw the wrong half of your deck. Also, like. Feather's a legend, so you know you have to be careful not to get flooded with copies of her. But I don't know. Yeah, like especially yeah, split cards that target have that have one side that targets. So some like collision classes, uh, it, it's it's you, you just happily cast that uh, turn after turn. Um, so yeah, if there's a yeah, if there's just a split card where you get value off both sides, uh, you know, one side one point of the game, the other side a uh, different point of the game, uh, that could work with this. Yeah, I think I know people are excited for commander for this as well because Boros like didn't have a good commander that could provide card advantage before so okay for the commander players yeah nice yep uh, <coughs> twister it's a uh, same amount of stats but different distribution so it's red red green for an elemental it's a two five and has one and a red discard a land card it deals two damage to any target and green return a tapped land you control to its owner's hand so you can just discard from your hand or you can pay like ultimately three mana and whenever you have a spare land sitting around that you don't like anymore you can pick it up and throw it at the opponent or one of their creatures uh repeatable damage like this is pretty good it's not card advantage because you're you're discarding something but you can kill small stuff it's also very defensively statted so i like that i'm not sure how i how i feel about this card seems absolutely unbeatable and limited anyway oh yeah yeah yeah, I think um, like maybe just if if you're just if you've been beat down, uh, by the time your opponent stabilizes, uh, you can just play this, and then on the next turn, happily just uh, pick up all your lands and then go deal, you no know, four six to get there. 
So, so you'll, you'll happy just you know completely completely sacrifice your mana base uh, if it is ending the game on that same turn. Yeah, may, maybe it could be like a sideboard option in the Gruel decks that we have now. Yeah, definitely, I could say. Yeah, yeah, I could, yeah. There, there's a, there's a lot of uh, decks that you know just, uh, that can attack past the two five for that reason alone. Yeah, yeah, like mono red has to either spend two burn spells on this or I mean the the dream scenario for them is attack with the goblin chain whirler and then shock it. That's like the absolute best that they can do to get around it. And even then it traded for a card. Yeah. So you're kinda like and like fogged three damage or whatever. So it's like not the end of the world mm. if that happens. And if they have to spend any anything bigger than that on it, or if they have to spend two removal spells or two burn spells, you're happy, usually. It's very hard, very tough to cast though, is the only thing. And like it's an elemental, so currently the Gruel builds are like going pretty hard on the Warriors thing, and they have the unclaimed territories mm. in the deck, so this could put a little bit of extra strain on that. Yeah, and then on the other side, there's the, the Gruel version that doesn't play unclaimed territory that plays the one drops. I mean, they're green one, one drops, so it's uh, you, know, you can't get this off Clan Royals. And that's all you can, I actually can't, but I mean, it's you're gonna have more um, yeah, green sources and red sources yeah, uh, in the one drop build. Yeah, it's hard enough to. To play this on turn two, off a of Lanaware Elves on turn one, you can go like Stomping Ground on top turn one, and then turn two, Root and Crag into this is fine, but that's kind of like the dream start. I'm not sure what the percentage is on that kind of a start, but it's low enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, next up, we have Roll Reversal. It's a blue, blue, red for a sorcery. Very simple, one line of text here. Well, two lines. Exchange control of two target permanents that share a permanent type. This is great. This is um... this. Enchantment removal. For... Is, it, is it? <laughs> yes, is it? Okay. It's enchantment. No, I, I didn't even intend that. It's enchantment. I didn't intend that. No. Um... For for colors that don't usually get enchantment removal. Um, yeah. But that said, you have to have an enchantment, right? So you have to give them an enchantment as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, you you have a your second sorcerer's content because you. Uh, but I mean, then you're giving them scry one every turn or, or whatever it is. It's not ideal, and you definitely don't want to give them something like uh. Eldest Reborn. Yeah, I mean, you, you could have a disinformation campaign lying around that's already done its work. Uh, you know, usually if Wilderness Reclamation is on your side of the battlefield, you just lost in these decks. Uh, so this gives you a way to, you know, get around it. True, yeah, I hadn't really considered that one. I don't know if this is going to see a lot of play, though. <laughs> Again, a bit of a okay. more commander card. We'll see. All right, 13th of April, I called Lower Bristol as a, a role player in the standard. standard. Ah, standard. Yeah, the standard. Okay. Uh, one card that I think probably will see play, though, is Solar Blaze. It's two red-white for a sorcery. Each creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. I can't wait for people to cast this against me and tell my creatures to stop hitting themselves. Yeah, that's going to happen. Yeah. It seems like... I like how, how, how well. It seems like a good option for, like, Jeskai. I know that Jeskai's kind of fallen out of favor, <laughs> but this seems decent most... Most creatures will be killed by this, right? I, um, I'm trying to think of prominent examples that don't die to this. Uh, Thrashing Brontodon. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's not many examples of her. like this does kill the majority. Um, there's very few creatures that doesn't kill. Uh, yeah, Brontodon, Walker, Walker are the ones I can think of. Also, notably, kills um, Carnage Tyrant. Yeah, that's pretty important. I can't believe how many rats we have in standard. Yeah, it's crazy. And like really good ones, so good. Um, okay, we have Store of Devkar and Lich. It's one black, black, green for a zombie elf wizard. It's legendary. It's a 5-4 with trample. Uh, whenever it deals combat damage to a player or planeswalker, 
return to your hand target creature or planeswalker card in your graveyard that wasn't put there this combat. Seems decent. You get to a free, like, raise dead or whatever every turn. It has trample, so there's a good chance it's going to hit and 5 power. It's strong, and it triggers even when you attack a planeswalker. It's nice. Yeah, this is big. Yeah, big, you know, it's big for its ice. I do like it. Could certainly be an option in Sultai decks going forward. Yeah, something we've seen this template on cards like Team Sanity. It's like usually that's only to like you know, way up, you know, to attack the player to get the value, or do I need to attack the planeswalker? Yeah, uh, the fact that this gets value in both situations is great. Yeah, it's nice that like the, the constrictions of this set being print like so many planeswalkers in the set means that this gets that kind of extra ability is nice. Um, yeah, I can definitely see like this is not going to be the best card to choose all the time, I think, but there will be weeks and there will be tournaments and there will be days on the arena ladder where i think this is really good it's a really good value card as well um so probably in like mirrors and stuff it's going to be good against control it's going to be good uh makes exile removal more important we mentioned before the obnixilis's cruelty the minus five minus five and exile um so that's something to keep in mind um next up we have Tulsimir, friend to wolves it's a two green, green, white for a legendary creature elf scout. It's a 3-3. Three, three. When it enters the battlefield, you create Voja, friend to elves, legendary 3-3 three, three green and white wolf creature token. Uh, whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life and you may have that creature fight up to one target creature and opponent controls. So it's 6-6 six, six worth of stats for five mana and you gain three life and you get to fight your wolf with uh, another all creature. So. They actually... This is really small, but they actually changed that templating slightly. I think you're looking at the originally spoiled version of the card. Oh, really? But it's, it says, uh, yeah, so it says whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights up to one target creature you don't control. Oh. So it's not a may, which means that if you target a creature with the ability you have to fight, you can't choose upon resolution. So it's slightly weaker than if it was a may. Ah. They, they, yeah, but it doesn't make that much of a difference. That's weird. Why was it previewed with the wrong text? Uh, I'm not sure, but the version that's up now on the gallery says fights up to one target creature control. I think it was maybe maybe it was a translation issue or something like that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm looking at Mythic Spoiler here, so that's probably why it has the image of the old. Uh, one. If you click into the, if you click into the, if you click on click on the image and go into the text of this card, Mythic Spoiler has the correct uh, templating. Yeah, I can see that now in the actual comments. It has the correct templating. Yeah, that's right. Weird. Um, wolf, yeah. anybody? I know it's right up my alley. <laughs> Rent a wolf. Uh, we, we, we discussed it last week. Uh, there's literally two wolves in standard. Um, and Arlen Court, or whatever. Uh, Arlen Wolf Court. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah this, is, this is like a, quite a lot of value, right? It's like a much worse Thrag Tusk, but kind of different. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, it's, just, it's yeah, very, very stabilizing. Um, I like it. Uh, it's also, I think it's worth noting that both the the main creature and also the token are legendary. So you can't do something like, you know, like chump attack with this and then leave the token back and then play the second one and keep both tokens. You can't do that. Yeah. Which is slightly unfortunate. It's quite good with, uh, with Neoform, right? Do you mean to to get with Neoform or about, or about a far? Like just potting into this and then potting out of it is pretty strong. Yeah. True, because you, yeah. you get something left behind. Yeah, you gain some life, get to kill something, or you get a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Not sure. So now we're kind of getting into the uncommons and stuff like that, so... Um... Wait, 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 wait. 
Oh, wait, we're just still just doing multicolored, right? Okay. Yeah, we're still doing multicolored. Um, I will say that I'm not. Well, we can we can go down to the to the planeswalkers maybe, or maybe you guys just want to choose like one card each that you want to talk about. Um, I can I can choose mine first, and then and then you guys can choose. I'm gonna I'm gonna snipe Angrath's rampage here. Um, I think his card is so cool. It's a it's black red for a sorcery and choose one. So it's a modal spell, and you have three options. Target player sacrifices an artifact. Target player sacrifices a creature, or target player sacrifices a planeswalker. So this is we have a lot of sacrifice effects now in standard because we have this, we have Liliana's triumph, which we mentioned before, and we also have uh, Gideon's triumph. All of these are like sac effects. Um, creature is useful against things like um, Carnage Tyrant, as I've mentioned already. Uh, the artifact. This is another way to deal artifacts in in black red on top of the devil. Uh, and then Planeswalker, I mean, I think this is a great Planeswalker removal because maybe maybe this is going to change now, but it's very common for your opponent to, uh, or players in general, to have only one Planeswalker at a time. Like, if you have two Planeswalkers, you're pretty far ahead. But, like, you can have one Planeswalker and still be pretty even uh, on value in the game. And one of the easiest ways to lose that type of game is when the, the, the player with the Planeswalker has a big kind of... Uh, curtain of creatures in front of that planeswalker to protect it and you don't have anything that can reach over and snipe that planeswalker that recurring source of card advantage so i think this will will really help now i know again in standard we have bedevil and we have Vrasis contempt but the difference between uh, a two mana removal spell or a two mana planeswalker kill spell and three or four can be huge because let's say you're it's like turn five your opponent has like, let's say the opponent is Sultai, and the villain is Sultai, because in my head, it always is. Um, they have a Vivian Reed, and they've just killed your, uh, I don't know, your big dragon guy. What's that called again? Hellkite. Uh, yeah. And they ha- also have, like, a, a board of explorer creatures protecting the Vivian. Now you can do something like play the Angrath's Rampage on Saka Planeswalker. They lose their Vivian. They've lost their card advantage. And you can play maybe a three mana creature to to shore up the board. Whereas before, with the more expensive spells, you wouldn't be able to do that. And I suppose you sacrifice some of the targeted nature here, but you also have a lot of flexibility of what you can kill. Yeah, it's very interesting, actually. I suppose it's, you're saying that it, even though the opponent is choosing, uh, that's really mitigated just by how cheap uh, this is. That's uh, very nice. As I said, it might change in the future now because we have so many planeswalkers coming into standard maybe it will be really common to have two planeswalkers at a time but even then i mean it's still good and you can still do like if you have a board and your opponent has one creature you can make them sack their creature and then attack the planeswalker it's just a very versatile spell and another good point is that i think this you know this could be this could have applications in like modern or legacy um yeah like especially like against planeswalkers most modern players are never going to have more than one planeswalker like what planeswalkers are played the two lilianas jace um teferi i can't really think of any more so karen ugin oh yeah karen but, but yeah I did, yeah like I, I could actually see i could see this being be played in a in modern also like uh yeah no, i guess it's, it's one of the it's one of those kind of it's a cyborg slot that that is good in a lot of different matchups Um yeah you bring it in for yeah, something like Tron, you can bring it in for uh yeah, bring it in for bogles, whatever. Um, yeah, good against bogles. Exactly one touch. Uh, 
Yeah, against Tron, if you're on the play, you can kill like their map or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's like yeah, kill their map early, and then, yeah, um, well, they kill their own soul and kill their. Uh, still being useful if they manage to get the card out. Yeah, I think this card's great. All right, what any cards that you guys want to talk about? I was going to mention uh, Delvin's Veto. I don't know if you guys talked about that previously last week. We did. But, uh, it's just a sweet. You did? No, we didn't. Oh, we didn't. Okay, well, it's uh, Delvin's Veto is blue-white for an instant. It says, this spell can't be countered. Counter-target non-creature spell. So it's an uncounterable negate for blue-white, uh, which I just think is awesome. It's really clean, nice design, uh, and I think it's going to see like decent amount of play, probably. Here and there. I'm not sure how much better it is than Negate, but it's also if you're just a straight blue white deck, there's very little opportunity cost to playing it instead of Negate, so maybe you may as well. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Solid sideboard option for Esper, for Jeskai. Could even be in um in like the blue white weenies deck for like oh they cast their wrath and then you cast this and even if they have a negate up they can't do anything about it. Yeah, I just think it's really sweet. I'm surprised we haven't seen this card printed before, to be honest. It looks like kind of an obvious design, but uh, I was kind of happily surprised to see it. Yeah, it's a sweet one, all right. Uh, Al, do you have a, a card that you want to mention here? You can talk about the Planeswalkers as well, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, I was, I was going to I was gonna mention uh, Karn. Karn, uh, the great creator, speaking of Karn. Uh, he's not great, but he is uh, <laughs> for, mana, for generic mana for a legendary Planeswalker Karn. Uh, activated abilities of artifacts your opponent's control can't be activated. The one sided uh, stony silence. Um, plus the one for until your next turn, up to one target non creature artifact becomes an artifact creature. A part of this equals to its uh, convert mana cost. Um, and then minus two is you may choose an artifact you own from outside the game or in exile. Reveal that card um, and add it to your hand. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I also like it's, it's just really just direct, competing directly with uh, current sign of, of Urza. Does different set of things. I feel like in standards that have had more artifacts, uh, this would have been good. Um, I don't think I don't see being uh, a player in this uh, standard. Uh, I only realized how uh, how irrelevant it is uh, when I started reading reading it, and I wish I picked a different card. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's cool. It's uh, I, I that is cool. Yeah. The the activated abilities of artifacts or bonds control can't be activated. You are right that that would have been better in different standards. Like, for example, when Kaladesh was still in standard, I think this actually would have been pretty cool because it would have stopped vehicles. Uh, and we do have some vehicles in this set that, you know, when cards on when Karn is on the battlefield, they can be crude. So that's pretty good. Um, and there is the combo with this card of uh, fetch Mycosynth Lattice from your sideboard. And then when you play the Mycosynth Lattice, Ooh. it makes all... So it's like, Microsoft is six mana, right? Uh, yeah. And it's an artifact from Return to Mirrodin? Let me just... uh, Mirrodin Besieged, yeah. Mirrodin Besieged. Um, and Dark Steel. Yeah. All, yeah. all permanents into artifacts. So that means that all your opponent's lands are artifacts, and they can't be activated for mana anymore. Oh my god. That, that, that is pretty sweet. For the cheap cost of 10 mana. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it does mean that... You... You don't have to have the Mycosynth Lattice in your deck. <laughs> which is... That's true, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's yeah. kind of a one-card combo. It just costs a ton of mana in two turns. Yeah. I guess it also um, makes artifacts... Uh, no, sorry. It makes... makes uh, it also crews vehicles in a way. Uh, you, can, you can put someone on a, on a vehicle to crew it without having a creature. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it'll have power and toughness equal to its mana cost. It won't have its own stats. Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's stats the same. Like, uh, well, no, it would control. Yeah, it would make, but it wouldn't have its abilities. I think it would. I don't think, would it? I'm not sure. Well, actually, no, oh, that yeah. would. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. But it would make like smuggler's copter into like a two, for example. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have flying, but it would still uh, trigger one that deals damage, right? No, it, it would have. No, I think it would have. have flying. Bucks. Yeah, it would have flying. Yeah. It would just be a two-two. Um, is replacing the stats. Yeah. But like generally yeah, vehicles, generally vehicles have better stats than they a creature for their mana cost would, right? So. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's it's. I suppose if if we see a vehicle at some point that is uh, um, heavily costed in terms of its crew costs, if it's like if its crew cost is uh, very high, um, yeah, basically it's like yeah, way to crew them. Yeah. But like if you if the crew cost was high, you would expect its stats to be really good once you crewed it, which might not be the same as like. Its mana cost would presumably not be that high in that case, so you wouldn't want to turn it into a creature with Karn, because you'd end up. Oh, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, suppose where I'll, where you're going with this is that it it does have the ability to crew vehicles, regardless of whether you have other creatures on the battlefield or not. So sometimes you might be like, okay, I'll take it, even though it's a slight in- decrease in power for my vehicle because vehicles usually have larger stats than their mana costs because that's the way they're supposed to work. Uh, you'll still be like, yeah. okay, that's fine. I'll, I'll still crew here because otherwise I don't get to do anything. Yeah, and then it makes Parhelion Patrol bigger because uh, you're not already winning the game with that. Parhelion two. Yeah. Yeah. It's eight mana. We do have Parhelion two right beside it uh, here in the spoiler for me. Anyway, it's a uh, six white white for a legendary vehicle. It's a five five. So if Karn crews it, it becomes an eight eight, which is pretty good, and it has. Five- <laughs> it's pretty good. Has flying, first strike, and vigilance, and whenever it attacks, create two four-four white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking. So they don't go away. Um, so you would be attacking if you crewed it with Karn, then you would be attacking <laughs> for sixteen. That's pretty good vigilance. Yeah, pretty sweet. And it has crew four. Yeah. So it's hard to crew other. Yeah, ones. I mean it's. Yeah, yeah, I, I think this card is yeah, very powerful, but prohibitively expensive and well, not too big. I mean, that could be a win for a control deck, right? You just have one Karn and then one Parhelion 2 in your sideboard, and that's how you eventually win the game. Oh my god. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we already see shenanigans like that with Mastermind's acquisition, so uh, that is not even beyond imagining. Yeah, that could be sweet. Yeah, yeah it'd be pretty important for say, it could, could matter in a best of one. Yeah, I think for modern, like, I was excited about this for something like We're a Prison at first, but then I realized, like, the word present deck already wants to play all its wallet, one of silver bullets in the main deck anyway for the most part just so they can fetch it with word of invention in game one so it's like getting an artifact from your sideboard isn't even as good as you would think in that deck yeah yeah um one of the one interesting thing about karn as well is that like his static ability is better than stony silence so stony silence affects both players and he only affects your opponent and he's colorless, yeah. so it allows like this stony silence style of effect to be played in decks that don't normally have access to that, like non-white decks. Uh, obviously, it's four mana, which is a lot, but still. Yep, could be a thing. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Am I reading this right? Does this... Is this land destruction? Is what? Karn. Like, if you plus yeah, you, lands, it destroys... If you target an artifact. Well, it has to be an artifact land. Oh, sorry, okay, sorry, non-creature artifact. I thought it was just any permanent becomes an artifact. Oh, that'd be pretty Oh, wow. I thought... Oh, yeah, yeah. That'd be sweet. <laughs> that would be insane. Oh, my God. Imagine if you just... a planeswalker that goes Imagine to six loyalty and destroys a land. <laughs> but you can do it if you're against Affinity. You can target their Darksteel Citadel or whatever. Destroy it. Yeah, it's true. Or in, or in like... Well, destroy it. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. In... Well, if it's... um. Yeah. Well, it can still die when it's up to zero, right? Yeah, it does still die, but it's not destroyed. 
I was just being silly. <laughs> um, you can also target like Mox, Moxen in Legacy and stuff. Yeah, true. <laughs> That's actually cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Moxen in standard. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Wait, I just remembered something about uh, Fibbletop that we mentioned at the start of the episode. He's, uh, remember that Vanifar deck that we were t- talking about with Rolesk? Fibbletop would be really good in that. Yeah. Yeah, Fibbletop is great with Vanifar. Because if you get, Ooh, yeah. like if you sacrifice your Llanowar Elves to get Fibbletop out of your library, you draw two cards. Yep, it's really sick. And then also he's he's a good sacrifice fodder himself. So he works both ways. Oh yeah, you can, you can sacrifice someone. Go get your uh, uh, what's the one called? Um, ah, what's the dude? One, one, the tree drop that doesn't die. The goblin that doesn't die. Squee, squee, yeah. <laughs> are you? Are you... So, I, I, I've seen decks before. He's called you. Or meme tribal here. I, I, I lost this deck before. I, I lost a deck with um, uh, they just uh, kept on sacking their squee uh, to get phoenixes, uh, reclaiming phoenix. That's pretty sweet with Vatifer. Oh, okay. Yeah. That sounds very ambitious. I think we should get back on track here, guys. <laughs> All right. I, I just want to talk about a few more cards before you finish, uh, which are yeah. the gods. Uh, so the gods are back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we, we didn't even go through the gods, yeah. The god Eternals. I, I guess, well, there's one There's one that's not a god Eternal. The one is uh, just a big pig. So we'll start with that one. Uh, Ilharg the Raised Boar. It's three red red for a legendary creature. Boar god. 6-6 six, six, trample. Whenever it attacks, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped and attacking. Return that creature to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. And when it dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library, third from the top. So this is the this is this last clause is on all of these new gods, and this is their kind of uh, their immortal clause. So we've seen gods be immortal in a few different ways, like the Theros gods were indestructible. Uh, the original versions of these gods were also indestructible. And the like, the Scarab God and stuff like that had the goes back to your hand if they die at the end of the turn. So these these are probably the weakest of that kind of uh, Im- immortality kind of clause because you're not getting strict card advantage. They don't just go back into your hand straight away. They go into your library. So they're like blanking a draw step a little bit further down. But it is kind of good. It gives you ine- inevitability. They can't be dealt with. And like even exile doesn't work against them. The only way to deal with them is to discard them from the hand or counter them on the way down. Yep. Um, it seems like pretty fair to me, that that mechanic. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I think I haven't... Yeah. I guess, well, if we if you end up seeing a card at the fire level of the Scarab God, uh, which is Colossus instead, I mean, basically, yeah, the, the, a lot of those Scarab God matchups are just based on, you know, do I resolve a Scarab God? Um, if one of these gods ends up being as powerful as him, uh, you'll you you always have a chance to cast him again. Unless he's countered. Yeah, nice character. This card is just ridiculous, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Speaking about the, the yeah. actual specific card. What's the best? Uh, yeah, yeah. What's the best nickname you've seen for this card so far? I don't know if I've seen any. Yeah, yeah. no, I haven't. I've avoided the memes for this one. Oh, okay. What have you heard? I saw like through the swine. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> pork and tell. I'm sure we can come up with more. Dear God, we could come up with a better one. I think. Oreo's vengeance. That's the best one. There you go. Oh my god, that is fantastic. Yeah, it doesn't quite oh, work with what the card actually does, but that's my that favorite one. The same now. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's a cool card. It seems very very powerful. Six six trample on the front for five mana is already really good. And if you're playing in this, in I'm imagining this is going to be in like a gruel deck. 
Um, I'm sure the creature that you put into play with it is probably also very, very good. Some of the magical Christmas land things that we can imagine are things like, for example, Galta. That's already like oh God. 18 damage already. <laughs> swing with Trample. Or what's the 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 Biobox promo from Guilds of Ravnica? The Impervious Great Worm? I don't think that has Trample. Oh, yeah. Like a 15-15, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd probably rather have Galta, all told, but still. So. Uh, one other card that would be pretty good to put into play with Ilharic would be God Eternal Ronus. So the snake god is back. Well, he's not a snake god at all. He's uh, he, he, They do have creature types this time, which makes me very happy. He's not a zombie snake god, but he is a zombie god. So he's three green green for a zombie god. Five five death touch, same stats as last time. Uh, when he enters the battlefield, double the power of each other creature you control until end of turn. Those creatures gain vigilance until end of turn. And then he has the uh, immortality clause at the, at the bottom there. So just attacking with Ilharg alone... And putting Ronus into play, okay, nothing gets Vigilance, because they've already attacked. But uh, even if it's just those two, it doubles Ilharg's power. So you're attacking with a 5-5 Death Touch and a 12-12 Trample. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah. I think, like, on its own, this card is just great, too, right? Yeah, it reminds me of, um, of Trent, or not Trenchal Gearhulk, um, Verderous Gearhulk, although the stats don't stay around, but they're probably higher on the turn that you play it. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Yeah, I, I think in terms of the body, Wi Fi, that touch, uh, we, we saw this on previous Ronus. Um, I think it's a lot better here because you know, it's always on. Wi Fi, that touch is very good at just shutting down a board. Um, Although previous Ronus was three mana, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, in terms of body. Um, yeah, all uh, gods are are much more expensive than their previous iterations because they, they don't have any condition to turn them into creatures They or like creatures that can attack and block, they can just always attack and block immediately from when they come in. So straight away, that makes them more interesting as blockers. Yeah. This doesn't double the toughness, by the way, which I just realized is just the power. Oh, interesting. So it's not like a totally free attack. Like, you can't just for sure jam with all your creatures every turn and think everything's going to survive. Well, you probably will, anyway. Yeah. Also interesting, if you play a second copy and then you sacrifice the one you just played, then you'll have a 10-5 Ronus with Death Touch attacking. That obviously will just kill everything that it touches, but it doesn't have Trample, so not you don't have the you don't have the uh, the best combo there, but I'm sure you can find some way to give it Trample. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time you're just going to be attacking whatever Kindling Phoenix for 8 damage on turn 5, which is pretty great. Like, yeah, that's just kind of a normal average case scenario. Yeah, that sounds like a yeah, yeah, floor. And if you have anything more than that, like yeah. for example, if you have a if you have a Gruel Spellbreaker on the battlefield as well, that's going to be pretty decent. Yeah. Or this also works really well with First Strike, so like Goblin Chain Whirler. Oh my god. Yeah, it's very good Goblin Chain Whirler. Um, let's move on to the other two uh, Eternals, and then we'll wrap it up for today. So God Eternal Bantu is three black black for a zombie god again. It's a 5-6 with Menace. When it enters the battlefield, sacrifice any number of other permanents, then draw that many cards, and then it has the Immortality Clause if it dies or is put into exile from the battlefield. You may put it into your library third from top. 5-6 um, Menace is pretty good. Yeah, this is great, right? This is a... Well, I, I think it was late game just to be able to cash your extra lands uh, in for cards is uh, sick when you, need, when you need to. Yeah, the fact that it's permanence is very, very good. And if you are playing in this in any kind of like aristocrats aristocrats style deck where you can sacrifice stuff for value, 
again, that's even better. It is like we mentioned this the other day. Yeah, it's like yeah. quote unquote a free sacrifice outlet, in that it lets you sacrifice as many things as you want when it comes in, but it does still cost five mana, which for these like aristocrat style decks, I feel like they usually only go up to about four on their curve. They're usually very like quite low curve decks, but you know this could be an exception. Yeah, so far this would be reason at least to, to change your curve. Yeah, I think I'll have to see this one in play before I really make a decision. It seems like a little bit like too much work for for what you're getting to me at first but maybe it's just really good grindy mid-range mirror card yeah i can definitely see it in that capacity i mean even even if it's like even if you sacrifice one land and you draw a card that's pretty good <coughs> Sorry. and then you have a yeah yeah six, 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 six. menace yep true that's hard to kill yeah five six menace is great yeah um and then finally we have the duck the duck is back god eternal kefna oh, baby two two blue blue for a zombie god, zombie bird god, in my heart, uh, flying, you may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery card this way, copy that card, and you may cast the copy. That copy costs two less to cast. And then when it dies, or it's put into exile, you put it into, into your library third from the top. Uh, I read this card wrong at first, and I just thought that you just had to pay two to cast the copy, no matter what the card was. Just two. <laughs> Not too less than the normal cost, which would make oh, wow. it much better. However, that'd be pretty good. Yeah, as it stands, I don't think this is a great card. Sadly. Yeah, I don't like yeah. the idea of playing a kind of control or top out control card where I'm just at the mercy of like what I top deck every turn to to get any advantage out of it. Yeah, yeah, because it's possible that he that he'll have to be there for a few turn cycles before he get any uh, sorceries. Yeah, good miss. Yeah, and sometimes it's just not even going to be one of what you want to do that turn. Sometimes you're going to reveal like a thought erasure or something where you're you don't even get a discount even if you draw an instant or sorcery. So I'm just not sure if I see it to be honest. Or if you draw a counter spell, that's really terrible. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. I mean, you don't you don't have to reveal it, right? So it's like, but you just don't get any benefit for in those situations. Yeah. So, well, well, I guess well, you're not going to know. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I just draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the no, same. It's I, the I, same I, as I, yeah. yeah. It's the same as how miracle works. Yeah, so I think it feels like this is not a card that you want in a in a pure control deck like that. So then the question is where? Uh, and I feel like it's kind of like a value card, I guess, as well as being a decent body. So that kind of puts you into the area of like mid-rangey decks. But then in mid-rangey decks, the, the kind of spells that you'll have coming off the top are like removal spells, which would definitely be good to copy. But like you may not need them at that right time, but also the main problem would be that mid-range decks are mostly full of creatures and very few instants and sorceries. So then it's kind of like, what's what's uh, what's Kefnet doing here? Yeah, I just don't see what type of deck this you can build around this, and and the payoff is still just inconsistent. Yeah, I think like most blue decks at the moment, it's like you're you're usually kind of having some kind of flexible game plan. Uh, so it's like this just really just disrupts whatever game plan you had. That's it. It's a four mana four or five flyer at worst. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose it does have that kind of floor. Um, I still don't really see it, but maybe sharper minds than ours will be able to do something there. All right. I think uh, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. There are still plenty of cards left to talk about, and we still have one. More yeah. <laughs> we still have one more week of previews before the full set is revealed, um, which is unusual. We usually only do like two weeks of spoilers but this this time we've got three um i'm enjoying it i like the slow trickle i like that we don't have all the mythics yet 
Um, bit of weirdness with the Niv Mizzet story, but whatever. It's cool. Yeah. So I think that's probably going to do it for us this week. Yeah. It's been fun. Yeah. Good to have right. you here on. And uh, yeah. you can tweet at us at Skullcrack. You can email us podcast at gmail.com. If you have any kind of a suggestion for how, what kind of a deck we, we can put Kefnet into, because <laughs> I just love <laughs> He's just. Yeah, me too. My jam. I love it. Great duck. Um, yeah. If you have any fantastic deck building ideas, we would love to hear them. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. Bye bye. Bye, guys. Bye bye. versus Wolf Showdown. Uh, this time it's going to repeat of a previous of a previous thing we had. Uh, so as a spoiler season, um, I have found cards on Reddit uh, that have been spoiled previously. Uh, these are spo- these are instances where people when people have vastly uh, um, oh, what's the word got it wrong. <laughs> people have vastly uh, either overestimated or underestimated how, how good a card would be. So I'm going to read out some uh, Reddit quotes from the past uh, that's discussing a card during the spoiler season, and you have to tell me what card it was. Okay. And how far to miss a mark. Okay, so I'm ready. I guess, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, so I suppose the way we'll do it, I'll just uh, I'll ask Wolf uh, first question. If he doesn't get it right, we pass over to Kieran and then vice versa for the next question. All right, so Wolf, the quote is Seems pretty bad. Deck second cast three instants or sorceries in a turn. Don't want a hostile Minotaur. Uh, I am going to say that is Arclight Phoenix. Oh, that is correct. Um, that is Arclight Phoenix. So I think, I think this commenter missed the fact that uh, the hostile Minotaur is free when you cast three instants or sorceries. <laughs> And has flying. Yes. That's flying, yeah. <laughs> the same thing later. So, it happens. Yeah. It's a snapping drake, right? Why did they say hostile minotaur? Well, I don't know, yeah, exactly. Because hostile minotaur is tree tree, right? Well, yeah, yeah tree tree has haste. Has haste. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Okay, Kiran, this is a um, very cool card. Makes an awesome 4-4 on turn 3. And if he comes in any later than that, you have the option of pumping him up. 6-6 uh, six, six for haste on turn 6 can be game-changing. This is... um. The teamer card that everyone thought was going to be good, but wasn't. I can't, I can't actually remember the name of it. Yeah, it's a Savage Knuckle Blade. Yeah, Savage Knuckle Blade. That's the one. Yeah. In my defense, I wasn't was very. Actually, uh, yeah, I wasn't really playing Magic during that time, but I've heard the legends of Sa- Savage Knuckle Blade. Uh, I recommend everyone go back to this Reddit thread of everyone going crazy over Savage Knuckle Blade, just knowing how uh, how it doesn't pan out. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. All right, Wolf. So you're one one so far. All right, Wolf. Uh, we have uh, kind of disappointed. Feels like a slightly more powerful Planeswalker deck, Planeswalker. Uh, Going to be a tough sell at five mana, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, it's not too much to go on there, but it's obviously it's in the Planeswalker deck era. And the only Planeswalker that I can think of that is like really, really good at five mana from that era is Teferi. So I'm going to say Teferi. Uh, it's not Teferi. No. Oh. Ron, do you know what this could be? I'm trying to think as well. Another five mana Planeswalker. Oh, wait. I know what it is. Is it Ral? Okay. I don't know. Right here. It's uh, no. oh, yeah. oh, if... Do I get a point now or not? Uh, no. <laughs> if you, if you, you lost your point. Well, well, you might as well say what it is if you know what it is. Uh, Vivian Reed. It is Vivian Reed. Uh, yeah, someone replied, someone replied to this comment and said, 
oh well, but then again, she does kill uh, the new demon of catastrophes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very right. No, it's a bad matter. Uh, all right, Kieran. Uh, this quote is: uh, "Yeah, I'm on the same option. I'm on the same opinion as most of you. This card is worse than the Phyrexian Arena on so many levels. While it's nifty, it's a creature, and therefore certainly more valuable, especially vulnerable. Rather, certainly more vulnerable, especially due to its one toughness." Uh, that's good. That's good old dark confidant. Yeah, it's a nice easy one. Kieran is ahead by one point. Uh, all right, back to Wolf. <laughs> that's another hard one. Hard, another hard one for Wolf. Yeah. Uh, this quote is. Seems like they solved the problem of three mana walkers being too powerful. They just don't let them do anything. Hmm. Another comment says, worse than Tybalt. Worse than Tybalt. Wow. Um, this must have been... So the, the cards that come to mind, I know people underrated uh, Liliana the Last Hope. That's not my answer. I know people underrated her. Yep. And I know the people underrated Nissa Voice of Zendikar. So I think it's one of those. I would lean towards Nissa. I can't think of any other three mana planeswalker. That was seriously undervalued. Uh, I'm gonna go with Nissa voice yeah. Yeah, It is not Nissa voice voice of Sandigar. Uh, Kieran, I was yeah, I was gonna say Liliana the last up as well, and I guess I'll go with that. But like, I, that's so way so far off, and I don't think it was that far undervalued. But I just can't think of what other Walker it could be at three mana. Uh, it is not that either. No, the answer is it's Kaya. Ah, of course, Kaya. of course. Okay, yeah, people were very low on that when it came out. Yeah, so low. Yeah, so uh, still one ahead for Kieran. Okay, Kieran, so. Everyone's mentioning Blightning, but I think a better comparison is Electrolyze, which in this case, this card is worse. Everyone's mentioning Blightning, but more like Electrolyze. So yeah. I think because it's we're talking about discarding cards, doing damage, and drawing a card, it's got to be Colagon's Command? That is correct. Very good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible that people didn't think that was going to be good. Yeah, that's um, ridiculous. Was that yeah. a popular opinion, or was that just like one person on the Reddit thread? I, I was pretty pretty popular popular opinion. Um, wow. Yeah, people kind of no no one kind of really was specific as to why it was bad, but people really people were directly comparing it to the other commands, saying it was like worse than uh, Chromatic's command. So yeah, I guess that is pretty far off the mark. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wolf. Um. So one quote is the art on card name deserved a better card. It doesn't even do three damage and would only see play in limited. Hmm. So the art deserved a better card. And it doesn't even do three damage, and I will only see play in limited. And th- and this is a card that was good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it must be a card that looks like lightning bolt. I'm saying nothing. Hmm. This is really hard. <laughs> um, I remember there was a while ago when people got really excited because there was a an art spoiled that really looked like lightning bolt, and people were super hyped that it was going to be lightning bolt in standard again or something like that. That's the best. Yeah, I can come up with. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say like wizards lightning. I, I know that's definitely not right, but that's the best I can come up with. Yeah, okay, it's always lightning. But uh, you're correct. Everything else you said was correct. So Kieran. Yeah, so I was thinking it's gonna have lightning in the name or bolt in the name, but I can't think of actually many cards that do and don't do three damage. So I'll say like lightning storm, even though that's pretty niche. Yeah, no, it's like this is a uh, this is ramen up ruins. Uh, oh, I think we've seen the yeah. So we we'd seen the after ramen up ruins early on. People thought it was gonna be an indication lightning bolt. Uh, this is very disappointed to see it on a land card. Yes, that's what it was. Little did it know that we we banned that. More um, fools there. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, all right. So one more here. Uh, last one here for Kieran. Um, I'm so far behind. <laughs> yeah, we we could we could we could do some more next week. Um, all right. Yeah, uh, for Kieran. I can see this working in the zombie deck to make X as high as possible and getting the card selection, or in a deck where you put a big creature into play from your graveyard, something like Traven Expector. Is this, is it, it's got an X and it brings a creature back? I don't have no idea what this is. is. And then another line is that 
it could it could just go into a value deck, but I think it's too expensive for that. Too expensive. I have no idea. Okay. Well, that's that's quite funny, Kieran, because this is the Scarb God that we were talking about. Oh, really? Uh, I said it could work. I said it could work in a zombie deck where you make X as high as possible and want to get all the, the scry triggers. Um, turns oh. out that the Scarb God didn't care much about that. Uh, I suggested you can you can uh, get use it to get Trayvon the Sweater in play. That uh, you said uh, that it could go into a value deck, but it's uh, probably too expensive. Okay, well, how wrong I was about that, jeez. You both wear it. Too expensive. <laughs> yeah, I remember how down I was on that card. I really just, I think I just, I don't know if I just didn't read it properly or something, or I, do, I don't yeah, know I feel how like we were so far off on it. Because like, you actually you actually picked it as an interesting card to talk about. We, we had like, you know, we, we each choose cards to talk about for the episode. So you chose the Scar God. Um, and I guess, so, so yeah, the, the way we all assessed it, we didn't really, we kind of... We just talked about having to build around it. We talked about playing it in Mono Black Zombies, like Mono Black Zombies Splash and Blue for, for the Scarab God. But yeah, so I think we just looked at it completely the wrong way. And um, yeah, I think we all just failed to notice that once you untap, you win the game. Yeah. L- little did we know that we'd all be playing it in Teamer a few months down the line. Yeah. Except yes. I'll, I'll, I'll stay away <laughs> from it, right? I did. I did. Uh, I played later on, but not, not during that era. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, let's hope. Here, let's win this round. We might come back for some more uh, next week. Uh, we will see. But all right. Until then. I hope that I, I redeem myself next week because that was a very poor showing from me. <laughs> <Let's> see. <laughs> All right. Goodbye. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye.